paid good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. feeling of affection and concern toward another human being. Me, I haven't been in love. Come on, man, not that speech again, please. I am doing this to honor them. Where are you? I can't go through with it. I'm sorry, I thought I could. Come on, hon, I love you. I love you too, but I went out. I went out of all of it. And you know better than anybody that's not possible. Well, we found your runaway bride. Why don't you just kick in the doors? Look at us. We are gentlemen. Clearly, she is not going to make this easy on us. Where is that beautiful bride? She's somewhere in here. No shit. A wedding, that is one thing. But you said you wanted out. Nobody gets out. You just don't decide you want to have a normal life. Are you going to regret this? We got a bridezilla killer on the loose. Bang! You know, he told us not to hurt you. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> The game has changed. Man, this is some bullshit. Oh, wow. You ready for round two? Are you ready? I'll show you. What made me a Golden Gloves champion in my community? Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I'm talking with Timothy Woodward Jr. He is the director of the new film, Till Death Do Us Part. It is a horror comedy action thriller. And though it's got a lot of genres, it's trying to and succeeds living up to them. It will be released theatrically August 4th, 2023. So by the time you're listening to this, it might be at your local Cineplex. Check out the movie, and I hope you enjoyed the interview. Thank you so much for listening. Can you tell me a little bit more about you and how you got into the industry? Because you've done a little bit of everything, it looks like. Producing, writing. Do you even do some editing at one point? Yeah, yeah. I edit a lot of my own films. I work with the editor, but I also know how to edit. So I love to edit stuff. I'm from Georgetown, South Carolina, which is a small town about 60 miles above Charleston and 30 miles below Myrtle Beach. So a little town, we have a paper mill and a steel mill. It's where everybody goes to work. So I'm sure in another life, I went to work there and things are very different. When I would go to the movie theater, the 99 cent theater with my mom, I would 
I'd get butterflies in my stomach when I would watch curtain open. It would be such a ma- magical thing. And I always wanted to do something and be a part of this. So when I graduated, I went to work for a little bit and my uncle gave me a piece of an old camcorder and I bought a Dell Pentium 3 processor. I was doing some editing, playing around with my friends. That drove me to actually joining theater program and a film program in Charleston, South Carolina, which led to me auditioning for stuff, getting in, creating content, getting in and acting. And then I decided, look, love everything about the film business. I love seeing the cameras rolling, learn everything. So I started making my own content and directing my own films. And one thing led to another, did Westerns, did a bunch of genres, then ended up working on Studio City, got an Emmy for that. Got an Emmy nomination for writing for that also. And then I just say, I'm here. Sum it up very fast. It went a lot slower than that. Trust me. It wasn't like that. But just to give a brief summary. Not an overnight sensation, it doesn't look like. No, definitely not. A lot of grinding, a lot of trying and failing and just doing what I can for sure. How did Tilt That Do Us Part come about? How did you find this project? I had actually gotten sent this script by a writer named Chad Law that I've known for a while. I'd looked at it briefly, but it wasn't something that jumped out. And then I was speaking with Natalie Byrne about it, and we were looking for something we could collaborate on. And so she resent me this and said, hey, and she just put a note, you have to read this. And so I looked at it, and it had this Def Leppard song in the actual Love Bites, which I love that song. And I started reading it, and I said, oh, this could be cool. This could be something cool. She has a martial arts background. This could be fun. But it was written more like a straight kind of action movie at first. And I was like, I want to be able to do something different with it. What can I do? So I started thinking about it as, well, what if this was like a little bit more of a horror comedy with action elements? What if I start this off like a 1990s rom-com and then lead my way into it? And that started, that thought process started leading and, and here we are. Comedy is tough. Horror is tough. Horror comedies, I think, are even more tough. How do you find that balance between the horror and the comedy? It's a challenge. When I set out to make this, I just wanted to make something really fun. But I, what I did in the beginning was automatically went in with a color palette since it all takes place at night. Because two things you already have going for horror is the fact that it's a bride who has to fight these groomsmen. And you have that whole factor, this Wedding is supposed to be the happiest day of your life. Here we go. Opposite. Then you have the fact that it's basically a home invasion film when you break it down. If she's in her home. These people are trying to come in. They're trying to kill her. That's another element of horror movies. But when we added stuff like a put took book Poncho Mueller, who's great in there as T-Bone, added Big Sexy into the script. You look at some of the deaths. And then I started saying, what if I don't play this where everything is a little straightforward and it's a little more tongue in cheek and you've got this 1950s bubblegum, oh, bubble, bubblegum. That's a little bit creepy already in itself, but it could be fun. So I said, let's start adding some of that stuff in there as well and up the kills. And that helped rod the line between the genres. And that's really what was interesting to me for this is like, how do I take a 1990s rom-com and make it go very bad and just make it go dark? What if Julia Roberts was being chased in tried to kill by, by her groomsmen. And I looked at Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and I said, what if the Seven Dwarfs are trying to kill Snow White? How, how fun would that be? And that's really where it all came about. You talked a little bit about your leading actress, but can you tell me more about the rest of the cast? Because 
I love Orlando Jones. It's great seeing him. And there's some really great faces in here. Yeah, Orlando was amazing. He comes from the Carolinas as well. He was, I think he was born in Alabama, but he grew up in the Carolinas. And he's just a fun guy to work with. And I've been wanting to work with him for a while. His partner and manager is like an amazing person. And she's a very important person to me. And I called her when I had this movie and I said, I've got something that's perfect. And there was like a graphic novel component to it. And I sent over the graphic novel component. And immediately he was in right off the bat. And then we went for a search for some of our other guys like Poncho Mueller. I saw him at a stand-up comedy. And he just had such a bigger than life presence. So I said, man, let's play this guy like he's seven foot tall and 250 pounds. And let's see where that's at and let him fully believe that. And we had a lot of fun with that. Ned Schutman came to me from Natalie when he has this accent and this big guy and he had this kind of magical thing. So when I teamed him and Poncho together, I felt like it was a good, good thing. D.Y. great martial artist, great actor. He came in, he did his thing too. And then Cam Gigante, we were searching for who could be the best man in this and who could have that because the actor was written where he had that charisma and he couldn't just be like a one note guy. He had to be able to go along with the flow of this, really believe that in his soul that he was the best man possible. That was his job, whatever he did right. And in this moment, the assassin was secondary. The best man was what he wanted to be. And so Cam really, from the minute that he got cast, he chewed that up completely. And I created a playlist for the rest of the cast and for him. And right off the bat, I thought maybe he was going to give some pushback. He got it and he, he loved it. And he created his own dances and was working his own thing out. And we just, we had a lot of fun with it. Tell me about the graphic novel aspect. You mentioned that. Yeah. So when the script came to me, they had a, a graphic novel made for this, for the script that was just a very visual. It was originally, it was like Runaway Bride versus the Grimsman. That was, the script was first and the graphic novel. And so it was cool, but it, it was, you know, it was a little different than ours, but it it was still, it had some bore in it. It had some elements and I was looking at it. I was like, oh, this is cool. So we can also add some of these graphic novel elements to it. And, and actually the crazy thing is the bride looked like Natalie already. And they did not have her in mind for it or anything like that. And the bride looked like Natalie. So I was like, oh, this is cool. Can you tell me a little bit about your action choreography? Um, they practiced a lot. D.Y. Sam and Natalie a lot on some previews. And she practiced Arnold Shine. We had amazing people and martial artists on this. When you get to set, you look at these things and you look at the elements and you've got a bed here, you've got a bookcase here, you've got a window here. And it's not like on a big studio film where we have days for a fight. We may have half a day for a fight or something like that that we have to do. It's then it becomes, okay, you guys, I know you practice this, but we're going to toss a lot of this out of the window. This is how it would go down. She's going to hit with the lamp. That's going to send you over here. You're going to come flying in here. Boom. She's got to move. You get the punch. And, and then there's a collaboration with the actors of how do you feel about this? And I'm talking to my DP. And we basically, the lucky thing for me on this is I had so many talented people that could pull this stuff off quick that I was able to adjust things and not get stuck into the choreograph, the choreography. Because the problem is when you're doing something out of the middle of a park and there's a bunch of kicks and stuff, looks cool but then when you get in there you're like this stage this looks a little too so, so no, i don't want to do that i want it to be you know just wild 
like a mess and fun. So we came up with these things like where Natalie's, I could do a backflip off of this bookcase. Really? Could you? Yeah. So she backflips, brings him down like this and starts hitting him wild in the practice. And I'm like, this is perfect. And then DY, I'm like, DY, we need to get her on the ground. Body slam her on the bed, WWE style, you know? And then, and so we had a lot of fun doing that. And I was very lucky that they could pick it up like that. And Natalie being a ballerina and these guys doing martial arts, a lot of them, that really helped. The movie is coming out exclusively to theaters in early August. Why the decision to do just theatrical? I did a movie with Cynodon Toon called The Call. And we, with Lynn Shea and Tobin Bell, and we had some good success during the pandemic in theaters for that. And then it came out in Latin America. And we started talking to international buyers and they wanted it theatrical as well. They were saying, hey, we want this as more of a theatrical experience. And I feel like anytime you're doing horror, horror comedy or anything like that, if you get to see it with a group of people, it's better. And this is a fun movie. It's not a typical dun, dun action and it's not a creaky or either. So it's a very kind of mix that you should be laughing at, having fun at, you know, not taking too serious. There is some serious moments in there. Just, oh, that happens. Seeing some of this stuff. So it was really like, how do we make this where the most people can see it together as possible and try to elevate the film? and make it feel as big as possible for that theatrical experience. When you look at the Blumhouse movies, they're contained and they have, you know, a certain level to them. And this is a contained movie like that, but it's, we've got a lot of action. We've got a lot of blood. We've got a lot of humor. We've got a bunch of things in it. So if trust me, it was not easy with my distributor when they first saw the movie and they're like, Tim, what we've done all these and you're pretty straight with the genre. And I'm like, yeah, but I wanted to do something and bend it this time. And they're like, how do we market this movie? We don't know what it is immediately. And I'm like, all right, think about it. If it was a rom-com that went absolutely fucked up, absolutely bad, what would you do? What would it be like? And that's how this came about. And I've got to give it to Kim over at Cynodon and the marketing because it was her that presented me with the girl with the chainsaw, with Natalie with the chainsaw. And she said, what about if we get Natalie a shot of Natalie holding a chainsaw and blood stripping down her arm. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. And at first I was like, I just don't want people to think it's a cheap movie if we only do that. Because usually people use these images and try to lure people in. But she was persistent. And I'm glad that she saw that because it was good. It helped us a lot. We got a lot of Facebook and social media buzz off of it and stuff like that. Mr. Woodward, thank you so much for your time. This is great talking with you. And I love the movie, by the way. Well, thank you, man. I'm glad you watched the movie and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Just touch and see